This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You are listening to Front Office Features presented by San Diego State University's Sports MBA program. Each week on Front Office Features, we have a discussion with a sports executive in an effort to take you behind the curtain to learn more about the inner workings of the business and provide insights to help start and grow your sports business career. Today, our guest is Mike Trudnak, who is the general manager for Bucknell Sports Properties and regional director for Learfield IMG College. Mike and I are brothers from a different mother. Uh, we work together very closely during our time in Scranton, and he is doing giant things with Learfield, and his career is growing like crazy. We dive into the amazing, truly amazing way that he scored his first sports interview. We talk about good interview questions to ask when you are being interviewed, and we spend really much of this time just busting each other's chops. I know for a fact this is the hardest I ever laughed during one of these interviews. But most importantly, I hope he forgets about the bet we made about the Eagles and the Steelers now that the Steelers are on their third string quarterback. But before we get to the fun with Treadneck, I want to thank our great partner in San Diego State Sports MBA program. There's still plenty of time to apply with a deadline to start your application. Isn't until November 1st, still a few weeks away. Classes begin in beautiful San Diego in January. And to learn more, please visit sdsu.edu backslash smba. Hello, everyone. You are listening to Front Office Features with Rob Crane. Today, my guest is Mike Trudnak. Uh, Mike Trudnak runs all the sales at Bucknell University for Learfield, and he's also now some super bigwig within the company, you know, senior director. I don't know what the hell you're... What's your title now there, Trudnak? Um, All-around stud for Learfield IMG College. Don't forget we had a merger. So it is Learfield IMG College. Plug in the company there. The uh, all-around stud is really stupid and ridiculous, uh, and it's very untrue. So my position. <laughs> Just get into it. Go. What do, what do you do? What do you do for uh, a living besides uh, play golf and uh, sip drinks on your porch? Well, what I tell people is I'm the general manager for Bucknell Sports Properties which is part of Learfield IMG College. And I'm a regional director where I oversee a couple of other properties and I have amazing teams at, at those properties um, under Learfield IMG. And I have lowered my handicap significantly since working at Bucknell. Yeah, went from, you know, 47 to about 35. You know, you, you, uh, you take 12 strokes off your handicap, it's, it's, a, it's a good day. 
Listen, if you give me 30, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, good. So um, you talked a little bit about, you know, Bucknell, but also the properties you over, the other properties that you oversee. What other properties are those, Mike? So I have direct oversight over uh, Lehigh University and the Patriot League currently. Very cool. Very cool. And uh, uh, you and tell us a little bit about Learfield. That's one uh, Learfield IMG College. So that it comes. Everyone knows the universities that uh, uh, that Learfield and IMG College uh, represent. They know the names of those. But Learfield and IMG might be a new term that people might not know. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the company you work for? Yeah, well, I mean, the two biggest players in collegiate multimedia rights has been Learfield and IMG College. Uh, in January, they closed on a merger um, where Learfield and IMG College became one. So we are one big family, um, which is awesome because we have 85% um, of the Power Five schools, um, and we have amazing smaller schools, mid-majors, such as Bucknell. Um, which there's great opportunities at those as well, just because you're not a power five. Uh, but that merger happened, I think, end of December, early January. Um, and we're still trying to feel it out as a company. Uh, but for the most side, it's been uh, um, pretty fluent. Yeah. And with your role, you're selling the signages in the arena. You're, you're selling the media rights within it. You're doing radio deals. You're doing TV deals. Um, you're, you're very engaged with the athletic department. You're just not this guy who helicopters in and helicopters out. Like your office is at Bucknell, right? Correct. Yeah. So the way it works is there's a general manager assigned to each property. Um, so universities will hire our company to come in. And like you said, run, um, the revenue side of athletics almost, um, with regards to sports sponsorships, TV rights, radio rights, um, licensing, which a lot of people don't realize, but anytime you go to the store and you, you know, you're up in Massachusetts. So you see a UMass um, basketball shirt at the mall, they have to pay for the rights to use that logo. Um, so that's Learfield IMG licensing that handles that as well too. It's a very interesting company. Um, and we'll talk more about Learfield as we get going, but why don't we turn back the clock a little bit? You went to Misericordia University uh, outside of Scranton and Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, and northeastern Pennsylvania, a lovely part of the country. And uh, take us through your start. Take us how you went from Misericordia uh, to kind of your first, your, your first gig. Well, it's kind of funny because everybody has this perception that when you work in sports, it's the easiest thing to get into. Um, and it's not. Uh, it's extremely difficult. Um, there's only, you know, what what is there now, 30 or 32 NFL teams and right. 30 Major League Baseball teams. And every year you have thousands and thousands of kids that are graduating college looking to work in sports. Uh, they want that glamour. Um, so when I was in college, I went to school, like you said, at, at the time it was called College of Misericordia. I'm dating myself. Uh, but, it, but it was 65 percent women. So, oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> you've been a salesman since day one. Amen. Um, so you go there and I was in sport management and I had this woman come into my class and she was the general manager for a minor league arena football team called the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Pioneers. And I don't remember the number. I wish I did. But I'm sitting there as a sophomore and probably hungover and huh. she, 
met there and she said, there is X amount of kids graduating from sport management every single year. And here are the amount of jobs that are open every single year. I don't know where she got the stat from or what the stat was, but all of a sudden that light bulb went off in my head. It was like, holy crap. Like, what am I going to do? I can't be sitting here, you know, drinking my face off in college for the next 10 years. I got to figure this out. I only have two more years, my junior, senior year. So it kind of woke me up a little bit and I started to do internships um, because she really stressed the importance of getting out and networking and getting your name out there early. So I did a couple of internships. I was fortunate enough with the uh, Maxwell Football Awards, the Jimmy V Foundation. Um, and uh, then I did an internship with the Wilkes-Barre Grant Penguins. And then I had an internship lined up my senior year with the Philadelphia Phillies. And I'm going to date myself again. They were getting ready to open Citizens Bank Park. Um, and I grew up a diehard Phillies fan. I mean, it was a dream come true. Uh, to go work and, for them, and Pete Rose was playing there, and the whole and the whole crew, and Mike Schmidt, and uh, how, 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 far, how far back do you want to go? No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So for me, um, I sat there. I was all excited. I was trying to plan where I was going to live, how I was going to do it, and I did track and field in college. I was a captain on my team, and my humble uh, brag. Well, I was a thrower. I mean, I, I <laughs> track and field to make myself look better. <laughs> I grew, um, but my coach passed away uh, suddenly. He fell on some ice, hit his head, um, and I, I had a really close relationship with him. So I kind of wanted to dedicate my senior year to my coach, um, Coach Narkevich, and I was kind of panicking because I all of a sudden I wanted to find an internship close by where I could still do track and field, and uh, nobody was hiring. I called everybody. Uh, so I found out that the general manager of the Red Barons, the Phillies AAA team in Scranton, um, Rick Muntean, was speaking to a group of freshmen at a night class at eight o'clock or six o'clock at night. So I grabbed a suit, got showered, and I went and I sat in the back of the class with all these freshmen as a senior. And everyone's wearing T-shirts and mesh shorts or sweatshirts, and I'm wearing a full suit. Um, they probably all thought I was an idiot. Um, but Rick got done speaking, and I went to talk to him, but he got out of the door before I could get to him. And I followed him out into the parking lot. Uh, and I said, excuse me, Mr. Muntean, and I explained my situation. And he looked at me, and he said, anybody that's going to do what you did and dress in a suit, sit in a class, and listen to a fat man give a speech. Huh. Uh, it's probably boring. And he's wearing a big Hawaiian shirt. And if you know Rick Muntean, that was his look. Um, he goes, not only will I give you that internship, kid, I'm going to pay you 50 bucks a week for gas to go back and forth. You could start on Monday. No kidding. Uh, so well, it's one of the things that I've talked to uh, a bunch of other people about is, like, they separated themselves somehow, right? They went above and beyond you know, the normal person was sitting there as a freshman sitting in there with, you know, mesh shorts and a hoodie on, but you went in there, uh, separated yourself just by, you know, wearing a suit and then flagging that guy down and, and talking to him. Talk a little bit about how you think uh, people should really separate themselves. I think that's a characteristic that, excuse me, that uh, not enough people do is that they always, you know, they kind of go with the flow and they don't separate themselves. And I think that's a giant mistake. Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about it, it kind of relates to anything in life. You're playing sports, 
you know, are you going to stand there on the sideline with the group of guys, or are you going to go out and try to prove yourself? Um, you're at the bar with your buddies and there's a group of beautiful women. Um, you know, are you going to sit there at the bar and talk to your buddies? Or are you going to do something to stand out? Um, for me, it was, I needed to do something to get noticed. Um, and what was that? And it was dressing in a suit and following him out to his car and explaining my story. Um, you know, and it, it, that moment made me realize, like you're saying, what am I going to do to make them always want to think of me first when a job opens or anything? Um, I always had that mindset that when you're doing an internship, it's an interview. Um, whether you're a freshman, a sophomore, junior, or senior, it's an interview. Because if you kill it, everybody's going to remember your name and they're going to wait until you graduate because every year in sports, there's job openings. And if you kill it and they remember you, you're going to have a job lined up when you get out of college. Right. And uh, I always say that you're, uh, this has been taught to me, you're always being evaluated. No matter who you are, what you are, you're, you could think you're the gum on someone's shoe, uh, but you're always being evaluated. And the way you go about yourself each and every day really does matter. And they might only see you for 30 seconds a week, but those 30 seconds matter. Well, I mean, think about when you're walking down the street, you're evaluating people walking by you every single day. Of course, you're in an elevator with someone you're you're evaluating those, that person. So what what makes you stand out? The Philly thing. Did yeah. you you know, you went and you, uh, obviously a very noble thing that you did uh, with uh, sticking around uh, for to do track for your uh, for your fallen coach. Um did you ever have any regrets uh, about, you know, not, not taking the Phillies gig uh, over the Red Barons gig? So I won't say regrets. I was nervous at the time. I can imagine. Here I, here I was passing up this incredible opportunity. And I always felt like people are going to know the name Mike Trudnick. Um, I'm going to be at the highest level in the sports world like any 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kid believes. Um, so here I had a great opportunity with a major league baseball team. Um, and now I'm going into minor league baseball in my backyard where I grew up going 20 minutes from my house. Um, I felt like, am I going to get lost? Is it going to be, take me longer to get to where I want to get now? Um, but I didn't regret it because I knew I was doing the right thing. Um, in my heart, I knew that um, doing the right thing was going to pay off. Yeah, and uh, it mattered. I think you did a very mature thing, though it may have not felt that way at the time. But a lot of young people get caught up with the name on the front of the jersey, not what the actual job is. So, like, oh my God, I'm working for you know X big league team, or oh my God, I'm working for X NFL team, or you know one of the major four sports. But it's really about opportunity that you have in whatever uh, team that you go for, whatever front office that you go in. Uh, would you agree with that or would you disagree with that? No, I completely agree with you. And I'll give you a perfect example of that. Um, I did internships, like I said, with the uh, Jimmy V Foundation, with the NFL for their celebrity golf tournament, um, with the Maxwell Football Awards. And both of those internships, I was basically giving keys to Alexis cash in hand. And my responsibility was to take Marshall Falk and all these guys out when they were in town to do promos. 
out to dinner, out to wherever they want to go, places I swore I would never mention. Um, <laughs> and, and it was amazing. I mean, as a 20, 21-year-old kid, you're like, this is incredible. You would have been um, you were, You were the perfect person for that job. I agree. I think I should do it now. Uh, <laughs> um, when I took the Red Barons internship, I sat in a conference room by myself and I stuffed and folded envelopes over and over and over. And then I would go over to the three ticket sales guys offices and I would get their faxes where they were faxing season ticket information out to businesses and I would sit at the fax machine for three hours and fax all of their ticket information out before I would leave for the day. And what I would then do is before I would leave, I would go and say, do you guys have any more envelopes you want me to fold or any more faxes? And I always had a smile on my face. And for me, the place that offered me the job full time was the place where I stuffed and folded envelopes because they noticed this guy's not complaining once. This guy's a team player. He's constantly coming to see it. What else can he do for us? And they made a position for me because they didn't want to lose me. When you're doing some of those internships like I did, you're a dime a dozen. They'll get anybody to drive a car and, and people around and anybody is willing to do it. But not everybody's willing to sit in a room, stuff and fold envelopes and fax for three hours. We talk a lot about effort and attitude, right? There's only two things in life you control is your effort and your attitude. And uh, when you're an intern, it sounds like, uh, you know, your effort was there. You're sitting at the fax machine forever. And then your attitude really matters, right? It's just like if you're going to come in there, you know, basically it's saying I'll go in, give 100 percent. I'm going to uh, do whatever they ask me to with a smile on my face. Those two qualities just like work hard and smile will get you like crazy places. It, it, it's true, but it's amazing how many people don't do it. Um, and, and it's, it's crazy. And it's, it's an, it's an issue right now um, because so many people, their expectations are um, that they're going to do something glamorous as an intern. Um, and when they find out that day one, they're stuffing and folding envelopes, they're disappointed and then they show it. Um, and then they never get more responsibility. Um, people don't want to be around them because they have a negative attitude. Um, you just have to go into it. And like I said, every interview, or I'm sorry, every internship is an interview. And like you said, you're always being noticed. Yeah. Be the best damn envelope uh, stuffer that there is because, uh, you know, be like, oh, you know, because that envelope stuffing will then lead to, you know, hey, that Trudnet guy is pretty good. Uh, why don't we try to get him on the uh, phone to sell some group tickets or to help out in X, Y, and Z? And then you do that well. And then you do that well. And then you do that well. Um, you obviously did that well. The Red Barons happened. Uh, Yankees come to town. You're sticking around. Um, Talk through a little bit about your, your path there from tickets to uh, corporate partnerships. Yeah, so uh, after I was an intern, they basically made a position for a promotions director. Um, so I took that over. And then one of the sales guys had a heart attack. Oh. And they needed somebody to fill in and sell tickets. So they gave me a phone book. Um, and you literally got <laughs> you know a certain amount of pages. And you just went through and started making phone calls. Um, and you know, I would sit there and try to make as many phone calls as I could and get as many information and, um, follow up with people. And it turned out I was pretty good at selling tickets. Um, so I, then they moved me into ticket sales. Um, and then, uh, you know, I got promoted into sponsorship sales cause 
like they say, if you could sell tickets in minor league baseball, you can sell anything. Right. Um, Ain't that the truth? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had a love for sponsorships on day one. Um, it was just something where instantly I said, this is me. Um, and this is what I want to do the rest of my life. What was it about sponsorships that you said, yeah, I like that? You know what? I always grew up and I loved watching sports on TV. Um, and you're sitting there and you're watching uh, Eagles, get, you know, beat up on the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a Patriots fan. You know that. So I'm like hoping that that happens. I know, but I'm assuming some of your listeners are up in New England. And it just oh. makes me you just, it just makes you feel good that you're uh, making fun of some New England kid that's listening to this right now. Absolutely. Makes you happy. <laughs> makes you happy. Um, yeah. What were we talking about again? Why you fell in love with sponsorship. Pay attention. Oh, yeah. So I always would watch sports and, you know, you'd see sponsorships come up on with the commercials or this game is presented by or, you know, highlight or the player to watch and it was presented. And I always had an interest of, you know, what's going on behind the scenes to make that happen. Um, and then now you're a part of it. And sure, it's at the minor league level. It's not during an NFL game, um, but it was fun and exciting. And with me, I had the gift to gab for sales, but I was selling a product that I believed in. Um, that's the whole key to the whole enchilada. Correct. I mean, but that's the thing. People are buying your passion. They're buying you. Um, when you believe in the product you're selling, it's easy. It, it really is easy. Um, I can never go and sell air conditioning units um, or uh, dog food to stores. I am a guy that I believe in the power of sports and what it could do for your brand. Um, I see and understand the passion of a fan base um, and what it can do for your brand and to drive traffic into your stores or locations. So for me, it's an easy sale um, and I'm passionate about it. So I fell in love with that because I was now selling something that I believed in um, that your company could benefit from. Yeah, that's uh, and you're uh, so the thing that maybe not everyone knows here is, you know, you were with the Red Barons and then they changed their name. The Yankees come to town and then they're the Yankees affiliate. Um and then we've had we had the opportunity to work together in uh, starting in 2012 um, when uh, uh, we started. Uh, it was still the Yankees, and then we changed the name to the Rail Riders. But uh, so, so wait before you get into that. So yeah. I have this story I have to tell. Yeah. So so I find out that they are hiring this general manager. Was it general manager or president at the time? Uh, president and general manager actually. President, general manager. Um, named Rob Crane, right? And I'm like, oh, he's he's my age, which is awesome. Um, you know, we needed some energy in, into the uh, into the building. And I Google Rob Crane, and a video comes up, and there is this Gumby-looking guy <laughs> on, on YouTube wear, wearing a suit with these big old chicken legs, and he I'm is, lanky. I'm lanky. And, and he is pointing at a crane in the background and says, like a, like a, like a crane that picks up like stuff, a, like a operational crane. It says, there's a crane. I'm a crane. Hi everybody. This is Rob crane. <laughs> and right then and there, I said, this is the biggest tool bag. And I am <laughs> so terrified that he is coming here. But on day one, 
we were brothers forever, man. Amen. Amen. So we get there. We get there. And I'll never forget in my life, my first day on the job. So my first day on the job, I get there and the owner of the team, a guy, a great, great guy. He's now the owner of the Lakewood Blue Claws, a guy named Art Maiden. And the man, myth, and the legend. It's a legend. So uh, me, Art, you um, were in a meeting with PNC Bank. And I remember getting the first day, right before the first day, they go, all right, Rob, um, your first day, this is the way that it worked out. We're going to be pitching PNC Bank naming rights of our new ballpark. Because in 2012, when I got there, the ballpark was being torn down in Scranton. We played the entire season on the road, which was insane. And in 2013, we were going to open up brand, uh, a brand new ballpark. So my first day, it says, Art goes, Rob, we got a pitch for PNC Bank. I said, all right, cool. I'll just be a, excuse me, fly on the wall. And, uh, you know, you and uh, Art go through this whole, whole uh, pitch of this naming rights deal to, uh, to PNC Bank and all their people and everything. And I'm like, oh, you know, this is a pretty good pitch. There we go. And we go through the whole pitch. And then uh, the president of the bank goes, guys, here's, uh, you know, we went through the whole thing. And, you know, it was X amount of money. He was like, all right, well, I appreciate your time taking through this. Um, now, here's the reasons why I am never doing business with you guys ever again. And I went, ho, 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 what did we get ourselves into? But we didn't flinch. You didn't flinch. Art didn't flinch. Uh, we took what they had to say. And by the time that uh, we left there, we uh, knew uh, naming rights agreement. We were able to, um, to, to, to be able to secure that deal uh, for a long time going forward. Uh, that took a lot of effort. It took a lot of persistence. Uh, and it took a lot of, uh, you know, doing the right thing. That's my, you know, 30,000 foot overview. What do you think that took that deal from I am never doing business with you again. The nicest guy ever in the whole history of the world said, I'm never doing business with you again to changing that to signing a, uh, you know, a, a decades long extension, uh, you know, a year or two after that. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember that like it was yesterday uh, as well. And for me, it's, you know, when you're in a sales pitch, you're not just buying the product, you're buying the person selling it. Um, and I've built my name on honesty and integrity. Um, and I'm going to sit in a room and I'm going to tell you the truth. Um, and I'm going to listen to what you have to say. And I think art is the same type of person. Um, you know, it was your first day. Um, but I think Art and I sat there and we listened and we were sincere in what we were saying. Um, and I think they felt that. I think they they looked at us and they said, these guys have passion for what they're doing. Um, these guys seem honest. Um, they seem like they have a vision um, in, in where this is going. Um, and while things might not have worked out in the past, it's a new direction. Um, and I think we just had that confidence of listen, we understand things weren't ideal in the past couple of years, and it was a tough situation. Um, but we wouldn't be in this room and ask you to spend X amount of dollars if we didn't believe in the future. Um, and I think that during that conversation, it switched over and they said, 
we believe in these guys that are pitching us, and therefore we believe in the product. It was. A, it felt like a very, like, all right, now prove it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, prove, go, prove it, moment, and great. Uh, great. If you that, give me, give me that, a oh, crack the door open, I'm running through it. Anybody that could ever say to me, "Prove it," is like the best thing in the world I can hear, um, because I'm, that's what I want to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming for you, right? I'll show you whatever. That's my goal. I mean, I say this all the time: is I'm not in the sales business. I'm in the renewal business. Um, I'm going to prove to you that what I'm telling you in this meeting works. That you're coming to me and renewing your agreement, not me going to you. Right. So I, I love when people say that. Right. You know, one of the things that, uh, you know, you've heard me talk a lot about this, and I think it's important for, uh, you know, young people when they're just starting to get in their career. And, you know, some of those guys think it's only a one way conversation, right? It's like, I'm trying to get the job, but also like, look, man, you need to make sure that you fit in that organization. We've talked a lot about culture um, over over time and what we look for in staff cultures, you know, having a little bit of this, a little bit of that and what it all makes. Uh, it all blends together to make something really special. And, um, you know, we were uh, cruising in that uh, good culture range and kind of that, you know, year and a half, two years in uh, in Scranton. Talk a little bit about what you think is important to staff cultures. And if you were a young person trying to get into uh, the sports world, what kind of questions are you asking on the other end to say, like, uh, to make sure that you're a fit in that sports organization? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. Um, anybody that's applying for a job, the uh, first thing you think is I'm going in to an interview and they're going to interview me. Um, but it's really a double interview. Um, yes, we're interviewing you, but you need to be interviewing us to make sure that this is the right fit for your personality, for your growth. Um, so I always like when people ask questions of, tell me more about the team. What do you guys do outside of work? Um, what are some of the incentive programs that you have set up for people who go above and beyond? Um, what's the you know commission structure look like? And um, you know, what what does your or the goals look like? Um, you know, tell me, you know. I always like personality questions of, you know, if you could, you know, be on an island with three people that you work with, you know, who are they and why? And it's amazing the stories that you hear and, and people relax and start talking. Um, I, I love when people ask me, young professionals ask me those types of questions because it shows me that they're interviewing me and that they're taking this job serious to see if it's a good fit for them, if that makes sense. You're right. And you're also trying to make sure like you're going to spend no matter what you're doing, right? Whether you're at Learfield, uh, whether you're in minor league baseball, whether you're in major league baseball, it doesn't matter what sport you're in. Like you're going to spend way more time with the people in that office than you're going to spend with your friends or your family or whatever that it is. You've got to be damn sure that those people in that office are like, yeah, I can hang out with them or yeah, I can get along with them. Because if you get the instant feeling of like, nah, man, this isn't going to work out, even though that the front of the jersey might seem right or the position title might seem right, the connection 
that you have with those folks will totally matter on how successful you are uh, and the positions that you'll be put in for your future success. Well, I mean, you said it. You work a lot of hours for not a lot of pay when you start off in sports. Um, right. And you have to make sure that you're having fun in what you're doing, um, you know, because there's no point in doing it. Um, I always say it's a career, not a job. Um, and the second that it feels like it's a job, find something else to do. Um, you know, and your work staff becomes family, um, especially when you're at that young age, because you are around them all the time. Um, you are working together, you're going out drinking with them. And a lot of times you're working holidays with them, um, you know, depending on what seasonal sport you work in. Yeah, no, you're, uh, you're if you're in baseball, you're going to spend a lot of Fourth of July's with uh, your, uh, your, your co-workers. And if you're in hockey, you're going to spend a lot of Christmases and New Year's. Uh, with your coworkers and same thing with, uh, you know, football and everything else. Um, on the topic of kind of, you know, getting your foot into the door in young people, you've hired a boatload of whether it's interns, first year people, you know, one of the, uh, uh, my question to you is, you know, what do you see in successful young people? I'm going to remind you of a story uh, when we were interviewing uh, a guy named Mike Poplowski, uh, who yeah. I think is in the Learfield world right now. Um, at red in Richmond. And I remember, so pop was a young kid coming out of college and we interviewed him, uh, for a ticket sales job. And, uh, pop was a big football player. Like that dude was, that dude was probably six, four and two twenty. And, um, I remember talking to him and he's leaning in on the front of his seat. And, uh, like I thought he was going to run through the wall right there. The words that came out of his mouth, I have no earthly idea, but I will forever remember his body language, his tone. And it just seemed like he was so excited to be there and was like ready to go. Whatever we gave him, he was going to like give a thousand percent. And uh, I'll never forget that interview. Yeah, well, what's funny is I was actually with uh, with Pop a few, maybe a month ago um, for a Learfield IMG get together. And we were joking around talking about his interview Um, because before that happened, I gave him a tour of the ballpark and he was chewing gum. And I looked at him and I said, "Um, listen, before we go any further, spit the gum out. You're in an interview. Take it serious. And the look he gave me was, oh, my God. Um, He apologized. He spit his gum out. um, And we laugh about that now. But for me, it was a teaching moment to say, listen, you're, you're on an interview right now and you need to be into the moment. Um, and from that second on, the interview changed and he was all about it. He was passionate. We went into you to your office and he did. And you and I have talked about that in the past is body posture. Um, right. Let's see. Let's see how they sit. Let's see how they speak. Um, and he did. He sat up in that chair and he. He was a football player waiting to get his pregame talk and run out through that tunnel. <laughs> uh, and it showed. He was a great salesman for us. Um, he's gone on to have a great career at uh, Richmond Sports Properties with Learfield IMG College, and he's going to be a, a star in the future. Um, but he had that trait. Um, you know, my biggest thing that I look for is I want somebody who can be human. Um, what do you mean by have, that? I mean, have a conversation, talk, 
um, you know, when we're going to be working closely together, I want to be able to relate to you. And you're not um, only talking about salespeople, right? You're talking about uh, all the people that help, uh, you know, you through uh, you at Bucknell and Patriot League and such. Yeah, I mean, I want somebody that I could sit there, have a conversation about, um, you know, did you watch America's Got Talent last night? Um, you know, did you watch the uh, NFL game or, hey, Stranger Things, what did you think about last night's episode? Um, I want people that you can relate to and you could have a conversation and it's just normal. I don't want someone that is just giving me interview answers. Um, that's frustrating. I want to get to know the person. I don't want to hear what you think you should, what I want to hear. Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense is don't give me the canned answers, right? Like you got to let your guard down a little bit, be you, uh, in the, in the interview, in the discussion, uh, I just think I think you're so right in that. It's like okay, because then you're just like the what we talked about earlier in the interview. Then you're just everybody else, and you don't set separate yourself. You're you're doing the same thing, and you're not making yourself different. You're not sticking out. Uh, it's just blah. Right. Like I I ask an interview question of if you had fifty thousand dollars in your pocket this weekend, what are you doing? You're and not I'd betting rather, on the Eagles. Yeah, easy. <laughs> but, but I'd rather somebody say, man, $50,000, I'm buying a kilo of cocaine, and me and my buddies are flying out. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd rather hear that. Than, <laughs> I'd rather I'm dying that, over here. <laughs> uh, I'd rather hear that than, um, well, I think I'll buy dinner for the entire staff and – uh, maybe invite sponsors out to a viewing party. Like, cause I, that's bullshit. You're not doing that. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I, I, if you tell me you're going to buy a kilo of cocaine and fly to Vegas, <laughs> I'm going to believe that. So uh, I'd rather you give me an honest answer. And, and so I could relate to you. But not then you're not hiring me. the guy for <laughs> buying a kilo of blow, but at least you got an honest answer, right? But, but at least I respect him when he walks out of the office. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh my God, I'm crying. Um, uh, how do we even transition from there? All right, so you've done thousands of deals before, right? You're uh, you're the second best sales guy. I know the first best is my is myself. Um, but um, take me uh, take me in that boardroom, right? Take me in that conference room. Uh, you're you're in the middle of doing a big deal. What kind of discussions are are being had? What type of things, uh, you know, are are being talked about? What's important to the client? What's important to you? Um, you know, if I was a fly on the wall, what are some of the things that I would that I would hear? Well, there's really two meetings. Um, there's the fact find, and then there's the close meeting. You can't have a good close meeting without having a good fact find meeting. Um, and that fact find meeting is you are trying to learn as much about the client as possible. Um, what marketing are you doing now? What have you done in the past? What works? What doesn't work? Um, what's your objectives? Um, you know, where are you? You know, what keeps you up at night? Um, th those are the types of in-depth questions that you want to learn. Um, and then you're asking all the, you're asking all the questions. You're taking all the notes. Uh, they're probably wondering like, why am I here? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't pitch anything in that first meeting. 
Um, you know, you walk up to a car lot, you get five people coming over to you and they're trying to sell you everything that they have on, on property. Um, you know, I'm doing homework when I go into that meeting. And I'll be honest with you. I walk out of some of those meetings and I say, they are not a good fit. I don't think I have anything that's going to help them grow their business. And I am not going to just take their money. And then two years from now, they're no longer going to be a partner. Um, and I have told people that, that, listen, I don't think we're the right fit right now. Um, and I think you have to be willing to do that if you're going to do things the right way. Um, but then once you gather that information, you go back, you brainstorm with your team um, and you come up with what are their marketing objectives and what do we have? Or more importantly, what can we create to give them what they're looking for? And when you go into that marketing meeting, you lay those objectives, or I'm sorry, in that closed meeting, you lay those objectives right up on the board. You say, this is what you told us you want. This is how you want to grow your business. And here's what we're going to give you in order to do that. So at the end of the pitch, you literally say, did I give you everything you wanted? And if the answer is yes, you're walking out of there with a deal. And if you do the right homework and you do the right meeting um, in, in the fact find, then you're going to have a high close rate. Um, okay. And I think that's something that we always did really well. Um, and what was great about working for Learfield is that is what they value. Take me, uh, take me through a good story of a, uh, of a close of a, either a closed meeting or a, I think I take me through a good story of a closed meeting. I can remember one where I know what one you're thinking of. All right. Which one am I thinking of? You're probably going to say independent graphics. I am thinking of independent graphics. Take me through independent graphics. Well, independent graphics was, is a family owned business in Pittston, Pennsylvania, Papa Champy is straight out of like Don Ch Champy, <laughs> you know, sitting in the back of the restaurant offering you a cannoli. Um, and they do great work. And, um, you know, we knew that we had business that we were going to give to a local print company, but we needed to turn that into a sponsorship deal. Um, and I think you and I did an incredible fact find. Um, and we, did all of our homework. We had all of our objectives ready to go. And we were so confident this was, we were going to nail this. Um, and then all of a sudden I went on a trip to the promotional seminar out in Reno, Nevada, which is the geriatric convention of the country. Um, <laughs> and I get back and I had a hundred and three fever. Um, I could barely talk. I had a double ear infection um, and I was sweating. Um, but I wanted to go into that pitch so bad because we put so much work into finding the right package for them. Um, and I was so excited to show them that we found the right package and I wasn't going to miss it. So we went in and we pitched them and we walked out of there and they were shaking our hand and they said, deal. Um, and I went straight home and slept for three straight days. <laughs> but for me, it was so exciting because we did all the homework, Rob. And we, we, we knew that this was right for them. And I didn't want to miss the opportunity to show them the work we put in. Um, and I knew it was going to be a yes. 
but I just wanted to finish off what we started, if that makes sense. No, it totally does. Totally does. That's the exact story that I was uh, I was thinking about. And I must have washed my hands 107 times that day. So I was trying not to get uh, whatever the hell that you had. But it was uh, and they had no idea. And uh, you just kind of did your thing. We were up there uh, and and you crushed it. And it was just like, uh, I think going back to your point of like people buy business, people uh, buy things from people that they like, right? We've got a guy in uh, in Pawtucket. He's been around 29 years or something like that. And he doesn't have a quarter of the skill that you do in a board meeting or in a presentation meeting. Um, but he's our biggest sales guy by far because people freaking love him. They know yeah. he knows more about uh, their kids playing basketball or playing the drums or anything like that than anybody else. And when it comes down to it, you get into a meeting and they're never talking about, you know, what our ROI was on our outfield sign. They're, we're talking more about the concert that they just went to or, uh, you know, the sporting event they just went to or, you know, that their kid just made honor roll in high school. It's like, uh, it's way more about, being friendly. It's way more about really caring about them. Yeah, obviously the deal points matter, and obviously what you pitch them is uh, incredibly important, and doing your homework is very important. But, like, just being likable is, is a hell of a thing, and caring really matters. I use the line, I think I've said it once already, be human. Be human. Um, a, a lot. Just be human. Um, you know, just care about each other. Um, get to know each other. Um, build a relationship. I mean, these people are giving you money to help grow their business and you are taking it from them and you don't want to call them again only when the deal's up. Um, and you want to create an experience for them, a relationship with them. And I always say when I sign a partner up is welcome to the family. Welcome um, to the family. Yeah, because th that's how I feel. Um, we're now family. We're in this together, and I'm there for you, and you're there for me. It's a it's a two sided partnership. Um, you know, you sell sponsorships to your kids' little league team. Um, we're doing a partnership. We're we're in this together. Um, we've talked a lot about sales, and we've talked a lot about going in in the meeting and in closing. Um, you know, I guess two part question. One, you're in you're in Learfield and Learfield Learfield IMG College. Um, Wonderful company, do great things. Um, but it takes more than just you going in and selling it. Uh, there's a whole team of people uh, that help you get through that. Talk about the other people that actually that make the partnership happen. And also talk a little bit about Learfield uh, and how they do uh, what they do. I feel like I see... Learfield does training maybe better than anybody I've seen as, as, as a company. Uh, and I've seen you take great advantage of that and your skills of obviously, um, whether it's sales skills or, you know, just professional skills have just developed. So take me through a little bit about uh, Learfield and then also talk about there's if you're not a salesperson, that's fine. But there's more to a sale than just the guy pitching in the conference room. Guy so, or gal, sorry. Yeah, so there's a, a line behind every great man or woman is a great man or woman. 
Um, you know, I'm allowed to do what I do because I have an incredible wife who supports me and she's able to do what she does because I'm a husband who supports her. And that relates to work. Um, I've had the privilege to work with some of the best marketing coordinators ever. Um, you go back to um, our baseball days with people like Lindsey Graham and Karen Luciano and Christina Knight. Um, and then I go to Bucknell and I get this kid named Hayden Durr, who I inherited and was fortunate. And, you know, I hire Kelby Jackson and then I just got Jess O'Shaughnessy. Um, we're only as good as the people that are with us and our team. Um, and it's valuable um, and important that you hire the right people to be with you on that team and share the same philosophies and, and passion for what you're trying to do. Um, you know, but it, it goes more in depth into that with, when it comes to Learfield, um, they really give each of their individual properties, all the support that you can even imagine. We have sales analysts on our teams. So if, if you're going, you're meeting with a banking company or a category, um, you can tell them I'm meeting with so-and-so company and they are pulling up every sports venue that they advertise with, elements that they're sponsoring with, how much money they spend into the market. Um, that's, one piece, that's one piece that I feel has changed immensely uh, over our, our, our careers in sports is like the business analytics people, yeah. I, you know, they're in over the the top important uh to to getting deals done though they're not quote-unquote salespeople. without them you know we'd be screwed yeah and it, it's not even just sales analysts but i mean you look at accounts receivable accounts payable people business managers um you know your uh design people who are creating the proposal when you have a vision you know sellers aren't the best people at creating proposals you, you know we say. know what we want but we don't have the creativity to put <laughs> right. Um, so it's important that everybody um, is on the same page and working towards a common goal. And Learfield gives such incredible support. Um, that's the one thing when I got to Learfield before Learfield IMG um, is everybody seemed to be working together. Um, and it was amazing. Everybody wanted to help, help you grow as a person, not just as an employee, but as a person. Um, and the support that they gave um, to help create revenue for the property uh, is one of the reasons why I fell in love with Learfield and I've chosen to stay with Learfield IMG College instead of other opportunities that have come up. You know, you're a wanted man. You know, who wouldn't want a, you know, a, a, a gap tooth Lebanese guy to help uh, grow their business? I tell that to my wife every day. <laughs> Um, I'm a wanted man, and she tells me, go ahead, see what's out there. <laughs> um, you know, um, Mike, I, I, uh, I appreciate it. You know, one of the things uh, as we try to wrap this up is, uh, you know, I can't emphasize, we talked a little bit about this uh, earlier, is how much culture matters, how much, uh, how much, how much people matter. And uh, when we had the opportunity to work together, it just clicked. And when you get that, right, we, I was talking to somebody, uh, Chris Valente, uh, he's uh, uh, the uh, sales director at Fenway Sports Management, and uh, having the vision of knowing, people say, oh, back in the good old days, right? It's like, well, how do you know when you're in the good old days, in the days that you're in? 
And uh, I look back in the the good old days of Scranton, like man, uh, we were we were cruising. It was like we were just uh, finishing each other's sentences. We had a great team around us, and uh, that doesn't happen uh, every every spot. And uh, you know, if you can put yourself in positions. Uh, to make that happen, I think it's 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 very special, and uh, I'm privileged to have the opportunity to work with you. Uh, and uh, you know, obviously, we're uh, have become very close since. But uh, it's just it doesn't happen every day. And uh, when you're in it, you gotta take time and be like, you know what, this is a pretty cool spot. Yeah, I mean, the old saying is stop and smell the roses, um, and I think that's important. Um, you know, I think you and I used to tell some of the sales reps is man, they're making 60 to 100 phone calls and they're lick burnt out. Go for a walk and go out to the home plate and just stand there and look around right. um, and realize what you're doing. Where's your office? You're going to a baseball stadium every single day and you get to call that work. Um, sometimes we don't realize how good it is um, until we're out of it. Um, and I agree with you. I mean, we've we have some good stories, some that we're going to need a different podcast. <laughs> different and, different venue to talk about those. Yeah, and, and probably a, a rating on it and a warning so people know that they can get off. Maybe like Sirius or Howard Stern's a better. <laughs> yeah, pro- probably. Um, but I agree with you, man. I mean, when you have an, an opportunity to work for and with amazing people such as yourself who value family and passion, um, you know, it's irreplaceable and you crave it. And I'm fortunate where um, I got that from you. Um, I got that from art. Um, and now I have that with Learfield IMG College. Um, and once you have it, you never want to lose it. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Well, um, Mike, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you coming on the uh, coming on the podcast. I also think uh, we should make a bet, you know, right now. Uh, this very moment, so it's recorded in 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 history, and I know that you'll say yes because you'll never turn this down. All right, you're a big Eagles fan, yeah. and I am a big Steelers fan. Let's bet something, whatever you want to bet, fifty bucks, and well, or what? Well, Rob Crane, I I work in the collegiate. Oh Jesus, you are such. I am forbidden to make any financial bets on um, sports. I could horse racing, um, but I cannot. Um, but we could do something um, fun. All right, what do you um, want? Fine, fine. Whoever has the best, uh, and whoever has the best record, Steelers, Eagles, um, has to do something stupid uh, and and post it on on social media. I'll, I'll wear I'll wear an Eagles jersey and sing that ridiculous fly eagles fly uh if uh the eagles have a better record at the end of the year uh and if the steelers have a a better record uh you've got to do the same thing with uh enchant here we go steelers with a terrible towel swinging above your head Uh, that's fine but if i lose my kids sophie and evan will never forgive me because i've told them you are never allowed to root for anybody but the Eagles. <laughs> well, I look forward to crushing your kids' dreams. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're on, brother. You're doing amazing things. Continue the po- the passion, the podcast. Uh, I hope everybody tunes in because uh, they're going to learn a lot from you. 
I, uh, I, I, I hope so. I hope they didn't. Uh, I hope they enjoyed uh, this one. Uh, Trudnik, you're the best, buddy. I appreciate you coming on. Yep, I'm gonna have a Manhattan for you, my friend. Ah, let's have two. All right, thanks, brother. Yeah.